I never go this late, but I had to talk about Happily Ever After season seven, episode 19, 17. It feels like 19 because we're like going on and on and on. Plus, we found out today that there's going to be a four part tell all, which is like, whoa, right? Hey, Gio, four part tell all uh, starting January 1st. It's going to be, I mean, I mean, what is that? Eight hours of a tell all, which if you guys remember, a few years back when the 90 day fiance tell all leaked and there was a 10 hour that was like the best tell all ever because it was like unleaked or it was leaked, but it was like unedited. That was still to my, to this day, my favorite, favorite tell all. So having eight hours of, of happily ever after, we'll see, we'll see what they do with it. It seems like it's going to be a hot mess. We have like Jovi fighting with Andre. We have like, um, Michael fighting with Usman. It, it just seems messy, but I'm here for it. So, Happily Ever After, Season 7, Episode 17. Thank you. Next! Shout out to the live chat. Gio, Raydella, C. Cruz, Geek Girl, Rebecca, Joslo. All of these late night musings. I, I, you know, I'm here for it. So, let's just jump right into it. First and foremost, uh, I want to say that I'm going to be talking crazy about Angel and Ed. So that's my disclaimer. If you love them, that's great. I have, a, I have an issue with both of them and it is what it is. Um, so we're going to start off with Ed and Liz. Liz is back to work full time. She's offered a partnership, which I don't know if that's necessarily something that happens all the time where someone who has built a company is like, Hey, you're a great worker. Do you want to be a partner in, in this company? And you don't have to put anything down. You're just like, give us your blood, sweat and equity and, and pull your partner. Uh, okay. Okay. I mean, I guess it happens, but I've just never, I've never heard of it. So she's offered this partnership. She hasn't made a decision. Um, because Ed is not for it. So Ed doesn't want her to be independent. Ed doesn't want her to make her own money. Ed is Ed. Ed is terrible as far as I'm concerned. So things have been tense because ever since she's been offered this partnership, he feels like she's putting herself first and the relationship second. But we have to remember that Ed is like almost 60 Liz is not even 30 yet, so she's trying to get her career off the ground. So why wouldn't she want a partnership? Why wouldn't she want to grow her financial security and her career? It doesn't make sense. Like, Ed, you have your careers. You're, you say you're a photographer. You say you're a designer. You say you're all these different things. You've been there, done that. And you know, you're 60, you're 30 years older than her. And she's now trying to get her shit off the ground and you're not for it. Can you imagine if it was you 
if it was you, you would be like, oh no, like I'm going for my life. I'm going for my career. So why are you now saying that she's putting herself first before the relationship? Oh, you're saying it because you're an old man and you can't, you don't want her to be better than you as far as I'm concerned. It's ridiculous. So <clears throat> that's the tension in the air. And while the tension's in the air, Ed meets his mom, Norma, for lunch. And one of the things that made me super upset about this whole situation is the fact that Ed made us believe that because Norma was so against the marriage and him being with Liz, that's the reason why they stopped talking. But we find out that once they go for, for lunch, <clears throat> It's the first time that Ed and, and his mom, Norma, are meeting after a year. And it's because of Ed. Ed's like, you know, his mom thought that Liz was going to ruin his life and Liz was the worst choice and that he shouldn't marry her or be with her. And meanwhile, Norma's like, well, no, I was waiting for you to come back. It didn't make any sense to me. It was heartbreaking to me. Um, you know, when you love someone why push everyone else away? It doesn't make sense. So he's the one that stopped talking to her. But over these last 16 episodes, he made it seem like she's the one that stopped talking to him because he chose Liz. But that's not what happened. He decided that, oh, by the way, I'm not going to talk to my mom because she has nothing good to say about Liz. And even though I cry on her shoulder every friggin' day and tell her how terrible Liz is and we broke up eight times and I'm better than her at all the things. And his mom, who's going to obviously be his biggest cheerleader, was like, okay, 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 okay. And, and supported him and consoled him. As soon as he got back with her and they both, him and Liz, decided that Anyone that's against us, we're not going to talk to. And so because his mom said, you know, Liz is going to ruin your life and Liz is the worst choice, he decided to stop talking to his mother. You only have one mom. And I know that everyone doesn't have great relationships with their moms, but he had a great relationship with his mom and he decided to stop talking to her. And then he made it seem for the last 16 episodes that it was the mom, Norma, who stopped talking to him. Which goes, you know, you guys, it goes to like everything that Ed is about. He's a manipulator. He's a liar. He's an abuser. He he is all the things that are wrong with a grown ass man that hasn't dealt with his issues. So you blamed your mom this whole 16 episodes for us to find out now that it was really you that stopped talking to her because she told you what you didn't want to hear. Terrible. So she starts crying. She's like hurt by him. Uh, <clears throat> she's like, you know, I'm always here for you. I always listen to you. I want you to talk to me like you always have. He starts crying too. And he was like, you know, I'm just tired of people being mad at me. And the reason that he says that, oh, I'm tired of people being mad at me is because he does fucked up things and people call him out on it and he doesn't like it. I was so disgusted by this whole situation because he literally made it seem like his mom was the problem when really he was the problem, which I should have known that he was the problem because he's always the problem, you guys. <sighs> Joslo, that whole lunch, I was like cringed. 
Stevie says, Ed just creates drama with everyone. Terrible. Terrible. Who, like Gio says, who puts their mom to the curb? Who puts their mom to the curb? Because you're like trying to be with this woman who you confess and say, oh, I broke up with eight times. It's terrible. Geek girl. Hey, geek girl says he's so immature and yet he proposed to Liz. No wonder he's not married for 30 years. Facts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. That part. Yeah, that part, G gets. What up, B Getch? Glad you got this late night musings. <clears throat> so... He's talking to his mom, Norma. They're having lunch. And, you know, she's basically saying, you know, I don't really understand why you cut me off. I don't really understand, you know, if you love someone, why you have to cut your whole family off. But I'm here for you. I want to always be here for you. And Ed was like, well, do you want to, like, meet up with Liz? And she's like, you know, I'm not really ready to, to see Liz, which is fair, right? Because here's what's happening, you guys. Ed in my opinion, is a manipulator. And what he loves to see is women fighting over him, whether it's women he's dating, his mom, his sister, his auntie, whoever. He loves to be the center of attention and the one that's like manipulating the situations. And so he's happy that Norma's saying that she's not ready to see see Liz because he can go back to Liz and say, here's what the issue is. You're the problem. My mom's not ready to see you. I'm not ready to marry you because my mom's not ready either. And that's not, that's not the case, you guys. That's not what's happening. It's him being in the middle, going to one party and saying one thing, going to another party and saying the other thing to create dissension, to create drama, and to create the fact that he feels like he's the prize and he wants everyone to be fighting over him. And I think it's a terrible situation. I think it's terrible of him. And I just think it's, I think he's a terrible individual. He's a manipulator. You guys, 100% is he's a narcissist, 100%. And there's a reason why he's been single for 30 years because he doesn't know any better. And you can't go to therapy for six months or a year, however long it's been. It hasn't been long enough for the 30 years that you've been single for a reason. So <clears throat> he comes home from lunch with his mom. Liz is in the hot tub and, you know, they kiss, even though they still have all the issues that they have issues with. Liz says things have been weird between her and Ed, but he's going to join her in the hot tub. So he jumps in the hot tub. And one of the things that I just think was like, so, Ed, and let me pull it up, is this. So, Ed is in the hot tub, and Ed thinks he's the prize. And, you guys, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to, like, make fun of Ed, because we already know who Ed is, what he looks like, all the things. 
one of the things I just can't understand is why he thinks he's the prize. Like he literally thinks he's the prize. And I look at him and I think like beyond his physical appearance, which is not so appealing, he literally thinks that he is the gift to Liz. And I look at him in a hot tub. I'm like, like, what part of you is a gift? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I don't like it. So <clears throat> they're in the hot tub. They kiss. Things have been weird between them. Um, and then he goes ahead and gaslights Liz and says, every time that I brought your name up to my mom during my lunch, you know, she wasn't ready to talk to you. She wasn't ready to see you. And she wasn't ready to be with you. She doesn't think I should be with you, which is not what she said, you guys. What she said to Ed, and you see it right here, she says, why push everyone away? So she says, it's been a year since we saw each other. And I get that you're in love, but why did you push your entire family away, including me? I used to live with you. And now I don't because you decided, Ed decided that anyone that talked negative about his relationship with Liz, even though he was feeding that negativity, had to be cut off. So he cut off his mother. And here's the thing that is like ridiculous to me. You cut off your mother that you're the closest to. And again, I get that not everyone's close to their mom, but Ed was close to his mom. He lived with his mom this whole time that he's been single for 30 years. And all of a sudden he cuts her off because she is telling him what he doesn't want to hear. And he doesn't want to hear that she thinks that the two of them shouldn't get together because y'all broke up eight times. You keep telling me how you're not happy with her, all the things. But meanwhile, you're telling us, the fans, the public, the 90-day viewers, that, oh, it was your mom that left and, and stopped talking to you? Do you understand, like, how ridiculous that is? Like, <sighs> this fool right here manipulates Liz. He manipulates his mom. He manipulates any woman that's in his atmosphere. And honestly, uh, it will have to tell you that that's probably why he's single. That's probably why he's been single for 30 years is because he's a manipulator. And if you're going to manipulate Norma, who look at her, this cute little woman, you're going to manipulate Norma. Then I don't even know what else to say. I don't even know what else to say because your lies are, are catching up to you and we're all seeing it and it's not impressive and it's, it's not okay. So he tells Liz in the hot tub that every time that, your name was brought up. My mom wouldn't touch it. And he feels like he can't marry Liz without his mom's support. Well, you're not going to get your mom's support if you continue to talk shit and crazy about Liz. Right? So all the shit that you've been telling her, she's, she's your mom. She's going to want to support you. She's going to want to tell you that I love you and I support you and I want to be there for you. And if this woman is saying all this crazy stuff and doing all this crazy stuff, of course I don't want you to be with her because my concern is what she said is I just want you to be happy. <sighs> Terrible. 
So meanwhile, while all this is happening, Liz is meeting with the chef at her restaurant. She's excited about the partnership that they've they've offered her. Uh, but, you know, Ed is not excited because he doesn't want her to be independent. He doesn't want her to have her own life and her own money. But she's thinking of what's best for her and for her daughter, which is the first best thing that I've heard her say this whole season. So the chef offers her 10% equity in in the business. She will run front of the house. She'll get a salary increase. She doesn't have to put any money up front. Um, all she has to do is put sweat equity. And you guys, it's 2022. I don't know if I believe it. I mean, I have to ask you guys live chat and if you're watching the replay, what business do you know that they're going to say, I'm going to make you a partner and you don't have to put any money up front. All you have to do is show up and give us your sweat equity. That is a plush situation. If, if it's indeed true, then Liz should 100% take it. But like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe they're going to really actually make her a partner. She doesn't have to put any money up front. She said to keep showing up for her shifts and put her sweat equity in. Right, Peggy? Peggy says, don't believe it. I don't believe it either. You you put all of this money in. And then he talked about a little bit in this episode how what she would have to do is help find investors. Well, why are you making a partner in this woman who has no money and you're saying you don't have to give any money, but she's getting 10% equity, plus she's getting a salary increase, but you want to make sure that she helps you get more investors like make it make sense i don't get it I, I really don't get it but i mean it could be it could be she's a really hard worker and and they love her for that i don't know i just i don't get it i don't know any other partnership where two people are not bringing in equal equity but it's possible, I guess. It's possible. I guess anything is possible. I don't know. I don't believe it, though. Laura says, why would a company offer that right after she's been out of work for months? And Geek Girl says, I think the coverage on the show was like a down payment. I mean, I guess we'll see. So <clears throat> she's like, I don't know what to do. She doesn't know if taking the partnership will become an issue between her and Ed. Uh, she thinks about it. She thinks about her daughter. And then she finally says, you know what? Uh, I have, I'm, yes, I'm in. I have to do this for myself and I have to do this for my daughter, which makes sense. If someone's offering you a partnership and you don't have to put any money in, why would you not do it? You're getting 10% equity in the whole friggin' restaurant. Plus you're getting a salary increase. Plus you're getting like your medical and dental. Plus you're getting, what else did they say that she was getting? Um, the little, 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 little. She's gonna run the front of the house. She doesn't have to put any money up front. And she just has to work hard. I mean, who who would say no to that? 
you're already working hard as it is. So who's going to say, no, don't give me 10% of the company. Don't give me a salary bump. Don't give me medical and dental. I mean, come on now. So she's worried that this is going to become an issue between her and Ed, but she's still going to say yes, because she realizes that this is a great opportunity. Um, And then later on, Liz tells Ed that she accepted the offer. He's not happy for her. And he says that, um, you know, that should have been a conversation between two people that are engaged and she's only thinking of herself and I need to think about myself. (sighs) But at the end, he says, you know, go for it. But because he's a manipulator, you guys, he says, you know what, go for it. But guess what? I'm not ready to get married right now. And I'm just not ready. And I'm like, you're not ready to get married, but you're the one that proposed to Liz. And you're the one that made a big deal when she threw the ring away, but you're not ready to get married. And then she's like, you're not ready to get married. And then he's like, I am not going to be pressured to get married. And she's like, what are you talking about? I don't feel heard, he says. I am not ready. And literally, my note is like shaking my damn head because no one's pressuring you. You're the one that brought up marriage. You're the one that proposed to her. And now you talk to your mom. Your mom was like, uh, you know, take your time in getting married. That's a good thing if you take your time. And then now you found out that she's going to be able to be financially independent from you. And now all of a sudden you're quote unquote not ready to get married and you don't want to quote be pressured into married. Being married, who the fuck is pressuring you? Liz didn't say shit. She was just like, hey, I took the offer to be a partner. What do you think about that? And now, because he's not for it, he's like, oh, yeah, go for it. But by the way, you and I are not going to get married because I'm looking for a wife. And my wife is not going to work 80 hours a week. And my wife is not going to, like, fuck you. Like, stop it. Just stop it. So, um... She's worried that this promotion, this partnership in the new business or her business is going to come between her and Ed. Um, And so she doesn't know what else to do. And so she gets pissed off. And I'm like, you know what? This fool is gaslighting you. He's been gaslighting you from day one. I don't understand. Right, C. Cruz? Ed is such a massive manipulator. I don't understand why she puts up with the gaslighting. Like, I really don't understand. Because Ed thinks like he's the prize. And I'm telling you that he's definitely not the prize. He's just definitely not the prize. So he goes on to say that he doesn't know when he's going to be ready to be married. Um, And he goes on to say that him and Liz are too different at, to make it long term. And so he doesn't know what's going to happen with them. And I was like, why are we even watching YouTube? First of all, this is happily ever after. Y'all are even married. So why are we even dealing with happily ever after when y'all are clearly not happily ever after? And they've never been happily ever after. But here we have to watch you talk shit, say crazy things, and 
you know, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, Ed is the problem, period, point blank, period, point blank. All right, let's move on to Kim and Usman. Oh, Kimberly, this episode made me really just sad for you. Sad for you because I remember when I saw you on Instagram as a super fan and I saw you, um, I saw him bring you on his lives as a super fan. No one knew who you were because you were just like some random on Instagram that he brought in his live. And then <clears throat> as most of you guys know, he really fell in love with Zara. Zara had the contract to be on the show with him and last minute stepped away from it. And he really just wanted to be on TV. That's his whole thing. And I'm gonna post something that he posted, you guys. So he posted that he's getting some crazy award for some like African award situation. And one of the things that just made me so mad because all of it is super fake is that he said that and let me see if I can play it for you. Okay, let me see if I can play this for you. So it's the Pandora Awards. So wait, so he's a peace ambassador of the U.S. since when? It's the first I'm hearing of it. Of Ariel Goodwill International, he has bagged an award as Ariel Artist of the Year City People Award. Soldier Boy, Artist of the Year for for what for what award? Please tell me. He's been recognized by celebrities such as John Legend, Chris Brown, Steve Harvey, Michael. Okay, so he says he's recognized by. Chris Brown, Steve Harvey, John Legend. Times Square in Atlanta? Not in New York, but in Atlanta. Times Square in Atlanta, his billboard, which you guys, if you're, and I know a lot, some of you are not, but a lot of you are. My Patreon subscribers, y'all know that, the, what the fuck? Times Square in Atlanta, you all know, and I showed you how that was a fake billboard. And so he's trying to say that he's friends with John Legend, Chrissy Teigen, um, Chris Brown, Steve Harvey. But meanwhile, if you go to his page, they don't follow him. And if, and if you remember, over a year ago, he was saying that he was getting married to some random person and he wanted uh christy brown steve john legend christy brown to officiate his wedding and we were like wait what did she respond no because she doesn't follow him so she knows nothing about him but let me carry on to this international superstar with these wealth of recognition he is qualified to be the best everywhere international act congratulations Sujabal. stop it just, just, just stop it. 
Just stop it. Right, Stevie? Stop the cap. That part. Raydella, why, oh, why? Just stop the madness. So it's clear that he sent whoever the announcer is what he felt that they should talk about. And for him to literally talk about Steve Harvey, Chrissy Teigen, John Legend. Can I, he's never, he's never, he's not ever stepped foot in, in the United States of America. And for him to say that he had a billboard in Times Square in Atlanta just tells you everything that you need to know. Okay? Tells you everything that you need to know. So, <clears throat> I just want to say this real quick. You can't be an international superstar if you've never left Africa. You never left the continent that you're from. You can't say you're international superstar. And, like, you can fake it till you make it. I get that. But, like, you can't then put in people who are actually international superstars and act like they're your besties when they know nothing about you. It just makes no sense. So anyways, open up the scene to Kimberly and Usman. They're at an amusing part with Madi, who is Usman's brother's son. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Who they're trying to adopt, and they want to bond with him um, and continue to talk about the adoption, but they want to talk about it in like a happy environment. And the whole thing just looked wrong. Literally, my note is SMH, shaking my damn head. Because not only does Jamal see red flags, I see red flags. <laughs> Crystal says, international because it, it would take an international flight for 90 Day Fiance viewers to get the show in this country. Oh, Lord. So... They want to bond over a fun time so that Kimberly can spend some time with Maddie and see if she's going to adopt him, which makes no sense to me because they clearly have cultural differences. They clearly have religious differences. And oh, by the way, Usman doesn't even really want to be with you. He, you are like, you're his beard. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that he wants the green card in order for him to come to America. Whether he wants to live in America full-time, which I don't believe he does, he wants to say he's able to come to America and, you know, rub elbows with the superstars that he is claiming to know, the Steve Harveys, the Chrissy Teigens, the John Legends. Like, stop it. Just stop it. Like, you had a billboard in... Times Square, Atlanta. Fuck off. Just stop it. Like, who? 
okay. I don't, I, I'm just not even going to get started with that because it's so ridiculous. I've already proved that it was a fake. It was a deep fake. It was a total. Just. Clown. Clown life situation. So. <clears throat> Jamal is not impressed with this whole situation. He sees red flags. Muhammad, which I'm surprised that he's still thinking about Usman's proposal. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to literally break up your family over some bullshit? Like, makes no sense to me at all. And what's interesting to me is that even when we sit sitting there, Usman doesn't look like, look at him look down like that, and I'll play it. I didn't, I didn't. He looks guilty as hell. He looks guilty as hell because he knows that what he's proposing is some bullshit. And so he, he's looking down and looking guilty because how are you going to take away your your big brother's kid to a situation that you don't even know what it looks like? You don't have sex with Kimberly. You don't love Kimberly. Kimberly is not Muslim. She's not going to convert to uh, the Islamic faith all of that stuff, and yet you feel like you're going to bring him over to America and you're promising a Western culture where he's going to get a Western education and it's going to be better for him and all the things where he's not going to have to hustle. But meanwhile, you're like living a lie. You're telling lies and living a lie and you don't even know where you're going to live and you're not... You, you don't even know what that's going to look like for him. And just because he's coming to friggin' San Diego, if he comes to San Diego, doesn't mean he's going to have a better lifestyle. It just <sighs> makes no sense. It makes no sense. So his brother is thinking about it. Muhammad's still thinking about it. Um, he's like, I'm thinking about Usman's proposal. It can be beneficial for Western education. But he can't conclude anything, he says, because he needs to really talk to the head of the household, which is his mom. And <clears throat> he's worried about the cultural and religious differences. But the wife, and her name is Zenab. Listen, when I looked at his wife right here, and she was like, I am not impressed with any of this bullshit. How are you trying to take away my eldest son? I have two babies. She's not happy with the request, she says. And Usman's like, yeah, I want to get married right away because, yes, he wants his green card right away. And I want to adopt right away because I want to make sure that that Madi is with me all the time. If I can't have my own kid, then this is going to be my kid. And I want the adoption now, too. And Jamal, like, puts a whole wrench into it. He's like, well, where are you all going to live? Like, what does this look like? <sighs> Kimberly and Lizman have no answer to it. But I will tell you this. Right? Right, Jessica? Mom will say, hell no. Nah. Hell no. And Jazza says, why doesn't he just pay for his private school? There must be some good schools in Nigeria. That part. That part. All of this doesn't make any sense, right? So everything that Isman is saying 
and Kimberly is saying that she's agreeing to it just doesn't even make any sense to me y'all like it it really doesn't but it is what it is so it's the next day she's knocking on Kimberly's knocking on Jamal's door because Jamal's leaving for America again and he's like what's the password she's like I'm your mama I will whoop your ass and so he's like yeah you're right I'll open the door um <clears throat> And, you know, Jamal is not a fan of Usman, like all of us. He's like, you know, he's not a bad guy, but I'm not 100% on him. Um, and then Kimberly's like, well, you just, you're saying that because you think I'm moving too fast, but you need to trust me. You need to trust my instinct and we love each other. And Jamal's like, well, you know, I feel like you're just, you feel too comfortable with him. Um, and that your lives are really intertwined, he says. But how are you going to be in the future, he says. What's going to change? He's a, skeptical about the adoption. He's skeptical about the relationship. He's like, you guys have issues that you need to discuss. And then as they're having that conversation, Usman shows up at the hotel room. And Kimberly quickly switches the topic. She's like, you know what? Oh my God, I feel like Jamal and, and Usman have really gotten along well on this trip. And I'm glad that they really just like each other. And meanwhile, <clears throat> Usman's like, yeah, Jamal's cool. But I think he's like too invested and involved in our relationship. And then Jamal's like, yeah, I don't trust this fool for at all. I, I, I don't trust him at all. And I'm always going to stand up for my mom, period. Laura says, have we even seen people bring children on a K-1 visa? The only one I remember is Allah with Matt many seasons ago. Yeah, Laura, you're right. We haven't. We haven't seen that because it's a complete process. The K-1 visa is specifically for fiancés only. So it takes time to also include someone else. That's why uh, I want you guys to think about like Lauren and Alexi. Lauren and Alexi are finally sponsoring his parents plus his brother and look how long that took. So the fact that Usman is thinking this is all going to be like a 20, 30 day process shows how he's really not researching and really not invested in the relationship. He just wants to do what, what he thinks is best for him. However, it takes whatever it takes, however long it takes. He's like, ah, let's do it now. Oh my God, I'm so sick of him. So, um, <clears throat> Jamal's leaving, he leaves. And as he's leaving, Isman's like, oh, Jamal, you're not going to give me a hug? Meanwhile, they're still talking about that PS5, which you guys, I already told you, is recycled. That PS5 is the same PS5 that Kimberly gave Usman and then Usman gave to Jamal, which I know that Kimberly didn't buy. I know that that's like a production that is 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 Sharp Entertainment PS5 that goes on the road. Let's just wrap this shit up in some paper, wrap it up in some plastic, and we can just keep re-gifting, re-gifting, re-gifting until, you know, we can't re-gift it anymore. Literally. So he's like, oh, you're not going to give me a hug? And then 
Kimberly was like, oh, well, tell him, like, hey, love you, stepson. He's like, love you, stepson. Your mom told me to say that. First of all, y'all are, like, a few years apart. That's super weird. Y'all haven't bonded enough in the last, like, couple of days for you to be, like, love you, stepson. Ew, you're gross. Plus, you guys aren't even married. And look what happens after this. You guys almost, you literally break up. So why are we doing all of this? It's ridiculous. Oh, this whole thing is just so ridiculous. I wish Kimberly felt better about herself. I wish she believed her in herself more. I believe, I wish she wasn't a super fan. All the things, because all of it is just, it's just stupidness. It's just stupidness, 100%. So... <sighs> they go back so Kimberly and Usman at some point go back to their room they're having a big blowout Kimberly's crying um, she is complaining that Usman is complaining about the way she walks is wrong the way she dresses is wrong um, she's like you make me feel incompetent and you're always nagging me about not cleaning I didn't clean the room or pick up the room right um, I didn't put your shoes away properly. You're talking to me about, I need to lose weight. I need a tummy tuck. Um, and we have relationship and communication issues. Uh, duh. 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 I told you this from the very beginning, you guys. I told you that this was not a real relationship. This is a business relationship. That's why all of y'all, all of y'all were so invested and upset with the fact that you felt like Kimberly was pressuring him in the very beginning of the season and even last season of her pressuring him to have sex because she's pressuring him to have sex. He's not wanting to have sex with her and they're not having sex. And it was a whole thing, right? People were like, oh, the tables were turned and it was him pressuring her. We would have a different conversation. But here we are because it's not a real relationship. So she wants to throw out the fact that they're not ever having sex, which they're not, which I told you about. They don't look like they have a connection, which I told you about. They don't, they they never kiss. Maybe they hold hands once in a while. And when they do kiss, it's like this. Real quick. That's it. Like, like you kiss your auntie because it's not a real relationship. He's not into her and he's been clear about that since day one. And it's only now that Kimberly's figuring that out. So she's crying and talking about how he's telling her she walks wrong. She dresses wrong. She's fat. She needs a uh, weight loss surgery. She needs a tummy tuck. And now she's just realizing that they have communication and relationship issues. And then she's like, why are you with me? Um, you know, if I have to conform to all the things that you're saying, then like, why are you with me? She goes on to say, we don't have sex. She's tired of feeling like she's not good enough. And, you know, I travel here all the time, which is a sacrifice, which is true, right? Because he's never once traveled to be with her. She always travels to be with him and he never pays for a ticket. It's her money out of pocket to come see her man as the super fan. And he is, like, eating it up. He's eating it up because he doesn't give a shit about her. Yeah, come through. You pay for the hotel. You pay for our gas and wherever we're going. You pay for a freaking cow or a goat or whatever. You pay for all the things. 
I'm chill. I'm good with it because I'm, I lose nothing. He lose nothing out of it. Oh, when we went to Zanzibar, you were my <laughs> video manager. And again, he loses nothing because he's not putting anything into it. You guys, he's, what has he put into it besides the dollar store um, stuffed animals that he gave her? And then he gave her like this um, palm bracelet. And then I believe this whole PS5, which is not something that he actually really gave because it's something that she gave him that that he regifted, but it was really from production. So he hasn't spent any money because if it's not about Usman, he's not spending money, period. Uh, <clears throat> so she's like, why are you with me? Like, why are you with me? We don't have sex. You want me to do all these things. You say I'm all these terrible things. We have communication issues. I'm tired of feeling like I'm not good enough. Uh, you know, I travel here, I sacrifice, I spend money, you know, and he's like, stop telling me what you think you sacrifice. Stop telling me what you think you do. And she's like, well, we need to communicate because if we're supposed to be adopting, I don't want to adopt, you know, Madi. If we're not on the same page, she's like, you are not adopting. I am adopting, which goes to show you guys how he's 100% just using her. And I don't understand how she doesn't get that. He literally is using her to, to get the green card. Whether he wants to stay in America forever, I don't think that that's the case. He wants to be able to come to America and expand his music career. He's probably going to stalk Chrissy Teigen and John Legend, knock at their doors and try to say like, these are my besties, even though they know nothing about him. And then he's going to go back to Nigeria. He wants to drop off Madi with Kimberly and be like, hey, enroll him in a great school so that I can tell my brother that he's getting a Western education. But really, at the end of the day, it's all about Usman and what Usman thinks is going to be best for his career. And mind you, he thinks that he is an international superstar. He thinks that he is equivalent, and I don't think, oh, I didn't put it in here, but he thinks he's equivalent to Michael Jackson, which you all know is BS. It's some bullshit. It's some bullshit. And for those of you guys that haven't been here before, let me just say, that anyone with a microphone and auto-tune can be a great performer. Oh, does that suck? Yeah, because it sucks. Okay, but wait, there's more. Oh, what? Let me just stop, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin image and the style that you're used to. I love money. Oh, wait, what?
I'm just saying. <laughs> la, 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 la. La, 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 la. Is that, is that too loud? Let me try something else. Molly voice mode. I'm in Molly voice mode. Do you know what Molly voice mode is? Molly. International Superstar. Thanks for using. I'm just saying, you could have zero talent, like I just showed you, have a little bit of auditude, and all of a sudden, you're you're making music. <laughs> Linda, you have auditude that's better than Isman's. Facts, that part. So, Kimberly's upset. She's upset about all the shitty things that Usman has said to her about the tummy tucks, relationships, all this stuff. Why are you with me? I've traveled. I've sacrificed for you. And he's like, you haven't sacrificed. I've sacrificed. I've sacrificed the most. And... He literally says to her something that's super shitty that I was like, you just need to, to end this. He says, being with you is something that nobody would do in my region, he says. He's like, I want a second wife, but because of you, I can't. And you can't give me what I want. So I'm sacrificing having not only a kid, but a second wife to be with you. Listen, F that, F you, goodbye. He goes on to say, say that no one, it, you're 18 years older than me. No one's going to want to be with you. And I'm being with you. I'm the prize. So, like, what is your issue? So, Kimberly is sad. And, and what's crazy is she's like, oh, I just don't feel heard. Is that all it is? You don't feel heard? So she starts packing her stuff and he's like, go, if you feel like you don't feel heard, if you don't feel like I'm the prize, then just pack your shit and leave. And she's like, I'm done. I It can't be your way all the time. I'm done. And you know, that saying is like the infamous 90 day fiance saying where everyone's like, I'm done, I'm done. They say it like a thousand times, but they're never really done. So she gives the ring back to him. And the one of the things that I thought was crazy is that, you know, they talked about the room not being clean and her not putting his shoes up. But she gives the ring back to him. She puts it on the table. And meanwhile, I'm looking at, why are your shoes on the table? As an African, that's not something that we do. We don't put our shoes on the table with all this other shit that is, like, clean. So she puts the ring on the table with his shoes and she's like, I'm done. Let one of these bitches in, in your DM get you. Um, and then he's like, well, I'm done. So everyone's done. He's done. She's done. Everyone's done, done. Um, I just want to be, he says, with a person that gives me peace 
And if it's not you, then it doesn't matter because I want peace. Meanwhile, she's like, I don't want to end it, but she wants to be heard. She wants to be loved. She doesn't feel like she's getting that from Usman. Um, and she doesn't want to be anyone's favor because he feels like he's doing her a favor by being with her. Um, and the only reason that she feels like she's going to be adopting is because of him. So she feels like she's sacrificing all the time. And he's like, well, it's not working. I think that I probably need someone that's the same culture as me, same age as me. And he literally says to her, I'll pray for you to get a man. She storms out. She starts freak out, freaking out. She's crying. Here you see where she's crying. She's sitting on her suitcase that is like hanging on for dear life. Isman <laughs> goes on to say that he feels like his relationship with her is toxic and unhealthy. And, you know, she's 18 years older, be leaving and acting like she's younger than him. Um, he thinks he's the prize. He leaves, literally leaves the hotel, and she's hurt by it. She's crying by it. And it all doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, he is definitely not the prize. Kimberly can do better, but she doesn't feel like she can do better, I, I suppose, I guess. I don't know. But this shit is ridiculous to me. All right, moving on, because there was so much that happened, and I just, I, I could be talking forever, and I know it's late night, you guys, but I just have to tell you, like, this show is, like, ridiculously crazy to me. Like, there's so much nonsense all the time. All the time! All right, we're moving on to Libby and Andre, and I really hope that I, yeah, I did. Okay, here we go. So Libby and Andre are en route to therapy. They're going to do family therapy with their entire family. Um, I, I need you guys to know this. And you guys to know this. Andre is the issue. I'm going to give a rat's ass if you like um, Charlie or not. Charlie could or could not be an alcoholic, that's fine. But it's he's not the problem. He's not the, Andre's the problem. And when Charlie said that there was not a, a rift or a split in the family until Andre came through, I 100% am on board with that. So if you're not on board with that, that's cool. But I need you to know that Andre is not only toxic, he's toxic, he mansplains, he isolates his wife, he tries to overtalk his wife and he's controlling and I feel like he's abusive and I'm scared for Libby, period. That being said, they're on road to therapy with the family and these are some of the things that he says to Libby on route. You know, I'm, I'm tired of trying to get along with those losers, meaning her family, calling them losers, but I don't care about that. Um, and then he says, is the bum going to come dr not drunk? Again, talking shit and negative and putting all these thoughts in Libby's head. And then Libby's like, you know what? You need to stop with the insults. You need to come with a better attitude. And you need to take this serious. 
but he doesn't. So Chuck and Andre arrive. And guess what? Chuck and Andre have matching outfits. They have matching. I don't even know what, what the brand is. And maybe one of you guys know with the horse. I used to know, but I don't know. But they come with matching shirts on. And Libby's like, did you plan this? You guys are both wearing the same shirt. And and Andre's like, oh, we didn't plan it. But it seems to me like it just shows that we're going to be on the same side, which is what Andre wants because you know what? Oh, polo. You know what? Better days, you're right. It's a polo shirt. So the men's polo green shirt. That's what they're both wearing. So the reason... I, I, one of the things I want to remind you guys is that when Andre came, he fought with every single person in this family, including Chuck. If you guys don't remember, go back to previous seasons. Go back to season five where Andre was attacking Chuck. But now, season seven, now that he's gotten Chuck's money because he needed Chuck's money to start his business, all of a sudden, they're besties, right? And he has to keep Chuck close because that's where the money is flowing. It's terrible. I have a hair in my mouth. There it is. It's terrible because Chuck is forgetting and, and he's not realizing that he's being manipulated by this guy, just like Libby's being manipulated by him. Andre is the issue, you guys. I don't give a rat's ass what you believe. Andre, I'm trying to tell you. Andre is the issue. So... According to Andre, they haven't seen Charlie, the bum, for like a year, he says. Hopefully, Andre says, that his fist will not talk faster than his mouth during this therapy session. Meanwhile, Charlie is like, the first thing he says, you know, I just want my, to bring my family back together. I want to reconcile with Libby. I don't really care about Andre, but I want to reconcile with my sister. And... The therapist, Jean, says, what would you like to see change? And Chuck says, you know, I want the business, you know, before I have a business, all the kids were part of the business. We all work together. We we're all together. And now we're split and it's hard. And Andre literally minimizes Chuck's statement and says, no, you guys were always split. You guys were always apart because he wants to make sure that Chuck doesn't realize that all this past couple of years, Andre has been manipulating him and telling him shit that's not true. So yeah, you might be from a family, a divorced family, but your family was still united. Your family still did things together. And Andre is like, no, that's not, that's not what happened. You guys were always um, separated. You guys were always you guys always had an issue and I was not the reason why you guys had an issue was always there, which is absolutely not true. And again, if you go back to season five, you'll see that Andre really was the split because the family didn't like him. And now he's dug in and Andre didn't even like Chuck in the beginning. And yet here we are. It's ridiculous. So Renee says, Andre follows the money. If Chuck didn't have something that Andre wanted, he would be fighting and disrespecting Chuck as well. Facts. He's such a user. Facts. Facts, 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 facts. 
Marsha says exactly Linda Andre created the, that narrative. Facts, 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 facts. Lori says Andre is verbally abusive at a minimum to everyone. Facts, 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 Lori. So, <clears throat> so Andre is the issue as far as I'm concerned. So Charlie also too wants to bring the family back together. Um, and what was interesting watching this was you could clearly see that Chuck, the mom, the dad and Pamela, the mom are definitely not on good terms. And even though they agreed and decided together that, uh, family therapy would be a good thing. They haven't reconciled whatever issues they have, because when Chuck said, you know, our family was close, even though like half of the family was living with me and half of the family was living with my ex and Pamela like chimes in. Well, my name is Pamela. Well, okay, Pamela, like don't take it so seriously. You have your husband right there, Walter beside you, like calm down, right? Like he's going to call you your ex because you are his ex. And so whatever it is between the two of them, it's clearly clear that they have not reconciled whatever that is. So I don't think that they're on good terms, which can be an underlying issue for the entire family. So then Charlie's like, you know, our family was close until Andre arrived and Andre created a division and it's been divisive every, ever since. And I 100% agree. I 100% agree. Despite everyone saying that Charlie is the villain, I have to tell you guys to sit back and think about it. They all drink. They're saying that Charlie's the alcoholic and all the things. And when Charlie's like, you know, you, you turn my dad against me and Chuck's like, no, it was your disrespect. You know, you call me drunk, calling me a woman, calling me weak calling me, you know, saying that my head's up Andre's ass. He's like, we were the closest and you hurt me. But if you think about it, hurt people hurt people. So Chuck and Charlie were, were what is it called? Two thickest thieves or whatever, like this. They were besties. They were always together. We saw that uh, pre-Andre. And then because, you know, men don't necessarily express their emotions and feelings very well, you find that, okay, Charlie's drinking. I'll, I'll give you that. But Charlie reaches out to his dad in this drunken state and, and starts expressing emotions that he probably would not express any other time. And he says it in a bad way. And I'm not saying that texting your dad's shitty thing, saying like you're a woman and your, your head's up Andre's ass. But you can also see from that, if you, if you decipher he's hurt. He's hurt because his best friend, his dad, the closest person that he's been with his whole life has abandoned him for this fucking random narcissist separator. And he's hurt by it. So in his drunken state, you know, when people say like you're drunk, you are who you are, but just exemplified. So he's sharing his emotions. Now, does it make it right? Absolutely not. But Chuck needs to see it for what it is. Chuck needs to see like, hey, listen, that's your biological son. And you literally cut him off and he's hurt by it. 
and you are not expressing your proper emotions and he's not expressing his proper emotions and you're letting Andre build this this wedge between you guys and you're not fixing it. It it, it sounds terrible to me. So um <clears throat> Andre jumps in because, again, he doesn't want the family to really be able to talk about the real issues. And so Andre says, you know, you're drunk, uh, you're a constant drinker, and I don't want to handle you, and I'm not bothering with your trash-ass behavior. He says, you're a drunk. And what's interesting is that they all drink. They all drink. Andre drinks just as much as, as Charlie and you see it. You saw it when they had their housewarming. You saw it at the barbecue. Andre drinks as just as much as Charlie, but he's blaming Charlie for the same thing that he does. But the simple fact is he was able to infiltrate the family and get Chuck on his side. The whole thing is just so... You're blaming each other for the same things that you guys all do. You all do it, and you all are guilty of shitty behavior. So... In my opinion, and I have it like circled here, Andre is the issue. Andre is the issue. So they talk about how they feel like um, Libby's been isolated by Andre, which I 100% agree with. Um, and they talk about Libby having no voice, which I 100% agree with. Um, and so because everyone's talking over each other, the therapist Gene says, okay, we're gonna, we're, I didn't wanna go to this, but we're gonna have to go to each of us holding this, this ball or whatever it is. And if you have the ball, then you have the floor, right? So um, Jen has the ball first and Jen's like, hey, you know, I just really feel like Andre is isolating Libby from the rest of the family. And then Libby has the ball and as she's talking, guess what happens, you guys? Guess what happens? Andre interrupts her and says, can I have the ball? And she's like, no, I'm not finished. And her sisters are like, yeah, we're trying to hear what Libby has to say. Because that right there, that moment, you guys, in the episode, showed exactly what that relationship was about. He has no respect for his wife, and and you can see it by the the way he talks to her, the way he cusses at her, the way he cusses in front of his young children, the way he is isolating her, the way he is segregating her away from her family, the way he is manipulating the situation so she sees it the way he sees it because he hates them. Because guess what, you guys? He hates them because if if she actually saw him for who he was, she would be on the same side as her family. And he knows that he wouldn't have the life that he has now. He'd be stuck in Moldova, or not even Moldova, in Germany or wherever he was, because he was kicked out of Moldova because of his shady behavior. So shady behavior from way back in Moldova has transferred forward to, to him being in America, but he was able to manipulate Libby, as well as Chuck. He got Chuck's money. 
so that he could build a house, he could have a car, all the things that he has now, even though he used to fight with Chuck on a regular and called Chuck the same names that he calls Charlie. Y'all need to go back to season five and see how he really treated the family. He really is the catalyst of destruction. He really is. You guys need to really see that. He's the catalyst of destruction of this family. So then Pam speaks up, um, Libby's mom, and she's like, you know, I was really sad about the pregnancy announcement and having to find out um, on social media. Um, and she's like, you know, I really feel like Andre is shutting me out. And he's like, yeah, I am. I will, he says. And I've told you that, he says. And yes, I'm isolating you from, from Libby. And then he makes it about himself. So he's like, yeah, I did that. I'm isolating my wife's mom, biological mom from her because I told you I was going to do that. And then he says, because it's about me and it's always about me and whatever it is, it's about me. You know, I have problems with immigration and I can't trust anybody, he says. And Becky's like, what are you even talking about? And she starts to get mad. And he's like, someone reported me to immigration. And one of the things I have to tell you guys, because it really is a big thing. So I'm an immigrant myself. Uh, I will tell you that uh, USCIS has been behind, um, but they are catching up. Uh, Shida just recently got a green card. Um, if you guys didn't know, you know, I was waiting for my green card. They told me it was going to be 17.5 months, which is a year and a half. Um, and I just recently got mine as well. And so this storyline is fake. The, the fake that that someone called on him. And I, I told you that before. No one called on him. USCIS was just behind. Months and months and months and months and months and months behind. And that's why he's still in the US. But he wants to make it about the family so that he can continue to isolate Libby from the family. And so, you know, you guys want to all call out Becky and make Becky and Jen the bad sisters and the bitches for saying this and this and this. But listen, I would be the Becky in this situation. I'd be like, you sound like this is fake. Becky's like, you sound like you could be making this up. You know, your lawyer might have said something, something, but you sound like you could be making this up because you have a shitty background. You have a shady background. None of us have the time to... And listen, I'm going to try to tell you this. Try... Even if you have time tomorrow, try to call immigration. Just try to find a number and see if you can call. You're not going to get anywhere because that's not how it works. And so this whole storyline is bullshit and Andre is bullshit. So <clears throat> the other thing is like, who knows, even knows about your immigration status? No one. But here we are. Yes, Carol. Yes. Yes. I'm super excited. So long story short, don't believe the hype. Andre's the issue, period. Moving on to Jovi and Yara. There wasn't a really a lot that went on with Jovi and Yara. And let me just see if I have anything that I want to say about them. Okay. No. So it's the last day for Jovi to be in Germany. And so he wants to go out and ha enjoy family time. And he's worried that they're not going to make it, right? He's worried that Yara wants to stay in Germany 
for reasons beyond their, their marriage. And he's worried that they spent so much time fighting on the trip. And, you know, should she stay? Should she go? And he doesn't know. And she really doesn't know either. She's like, I don't know what decision I should make. But either way, someone's going to be hurt by it. Um, and Joey's like, you know, I wish this trip went differently. I wish that we all just had a good time. But Yara and I are both headstrong. But he realizes that they need to meet in the middle. Right? Um, and he doesn't want to argue anymore. He admits that he was wrong. He admits that he was just thinking about himself. He came with his wife. He wants to leave with his wife. He has insecurities that his wife wants to stay in Europe and leave him and leave his, his child. And, you know, that's that's his biggest thing, like his wife and his child. And he understands why she wants to stay and be with her mom and her friends. And it's been so many years and all of a sudden he gets that. Um, and so he's trying to be better and he's trying to make a better decision. Meanwhile, she's like, you know, I really don't want to be separated from you, Jovi. Um, but, you know, when you're at work, you should accept the fact that I can stay here because you're going to be gone for a month. Why can't I stay like a month and be with my family rather than just being at home by myself with, with Myla? Like I'll have Olga, her mom to support and her friend to support and, and her family to support her for the next month. And then when he comes back, she can fly back at the same time, which I, I get it. You guys, I like, I get it now. So she wants to stay um, and she didn't want to set, be separated from, from Jovi, but when he's at work, it's like, you should accept the fact that I'm, I am wherever I am and I'll be with you when you're, you're home, which makes sense to me. Um, and then Jovi's like, yeah, I get that. And I support that. And I'm sorry. I realize I'm wrong. And, you know, marriage is a give and take and, you know, I just want you to know that I'm making the sacrifice. So in the future, you realize that I've made these sacrifices. So when I talk about where we want to live in the future, if I talk about having another child or growing a family, that you're going to be open and amenable to that because I've made this sacrifice right now. Yara didn't really like that, that uh, ultimatum. So Joey's leaving uh, for work for three to four weeks. And he's leaving Yara and Myla there. And he had to agree because he felt like he was going to lose his marriage if he didn't, didn't. So he did it, which I think was a good thing for him. I think that, you know, had he not, she would have felt more resentful. And I think that being there, she's going to realize how important her nuclear family is to her. So he's curious, like, when are you going to be back? Are you going to be back in a couple of days, a couple of months? Like, I would love to know when you're going to be back before I leave so that I know what to expect. And she was like, oh, I don't know. Well, here's the thing, Yara, you're married. So your nuclear family is your immediate family, in my opinion. And I think that if Joey's going to be back in four weeks, then you should be back in four weeks because that's your husband and Mila is his child and that's your family. And you made this unilateral decision and your husband went with it. And so in order for things to be great, you need to also do your part, in my opinion. Let me know what you guys think, when she should come back, and if she should come back because Joey's back in four weeks. Let me know in the live chat. Let me know if you're watching the replay. 
Meanwhile, Olga, her mom is super happy because she has been trying to build this wedge in between her daughter's relationship for so long. She's like, you know, she made the right decision and she's in good hands with me, yada, yada, yada. And they're saying their goodbyes. Jovi cries, Mila cries, Yara cries. It's hard to say goodbye. Um, but she's also happy that she's able to stay. She wants to make sure that she has more independence because if she doesn't get the independence that she's craving, she feels like she probably is not going to be able to stay in the marriage. <sighs> On to shitty Ash, Angela. And you guys, some of you guys may love Angela. I think she's a terrible individual. I think she is abusive. I think she is... Um, just really terrible. She's terrible. She's got a mean spirit inside and out. And I'm just not for her. So anyways, Angela is sitting in a field with her booze and her cigarettes and crocodile tears, y'all. Crocodile tears. And let me, let Okay, let me get into scene here. Okay, and scene. I'm back from Nigeria. It's been two weeks. And everything has been great between me and Michael. We've shown our love for so long. Then I got a text from my friend. And Michael is cheating on me. I found out that it's a girl on Instagram who's 31 years old. That's why he didn't want to take his Instagram down. And they've been talking the whole time that we've been fighting. <sighs> and it's been like two months. And he's been talking to her. I have green screenshots <laughs> and voice notes. And in them, they say, I love you and I, and I miss you. And the money's coming soon. How could Michael do that to me? That's the way he talks to me. How can he talk to someone else? <sighs> My heart is broken. End scene. No tears. Just like Angela had no tears. She goes on to say that she didn't deserve it. Uh, Says she's never cheated, even though, you know, so basically what she did with Billy. Got to add the fake sniffles. Listen, y'all, Oscar performance. Go back and watch my Oscar performance. It was Oscar worthy. Oh, my God. I can't believe that. Oh, my God. Michael cheated. Okay. Thank you, Carol said. Great acting job, Linda. Thank you. She goes on to say that Michael says that he was lonely and it was just a plaything. 
and she blames herself because she can be a bitch, which is true. Um, and she doesn't know what to do because she still loves him. Now, let me tell you a little something about this whole situation. I don't believe her for one minute because she's been posting her and Michael on the regular in real life in social media. The second part that I don't believe is the fact that Michael actually cheated. Like, stop with the bullshit. Okay, just stop with the bullshit. Always she has like the receipts, but the receipts are bullshit receipts. And she like literally conforms them to what she thinks that we want to hear. She's trash, garbage. I don't believe her for one minute, period. Facts, Renee. Renee says, Angela is unbearable. Is this fake storyline to stay on the show and torture us? Yes, it is, Renee. Yes, it is. <sighs> Last and certainly least in my books, Bilal and Shida. Nothing really more to say. They're still in New York. Um, she gets a New York pretzel. She doesn't like it because she says it tastes like cardboard. So last night in New York City, um, and he wants to take her to the Brooklyn Bridge so they can have like a romantic moment. And instead they get into a fight. Shada is scared about destroying her marriage by talking about kids. Um, and she's like, you know, I love my husband. I love this trip. Uh, but I feel like if I don't say something, I'm doing an injustice to myself and to our marriage. And he's like, oh, this sounds serious. I feel like I'm about to be dumped. And she's like, you know, if I, f I feel like if I hold back any longer, um, I don't know what to, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And why is it that whenever I talk about kids, you have nothing to say? And then he's like, oh, I have something to say. Let's build a strong foundation. Let's spend more time together. Let's get to know each other. Maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, or maybe, I don't know, it's me, but I just want to spend time with you and you alone. And she's like, you know, I'm going above and beyond and I'm trying to tell you how I feel. And he's like, well, everything I do, it just doesn't seem like good enough for you. It's not good enough for you because you're gaslighting her and you're not answering her. She wants a baby, which I continue to tell you guys, I don't understand why y'all are not having those conversations before you get in a serious relationship. Don't marry someone if you guys are not on the same page. If he's saying that, his, it sounds to me like he doesn't want to have a kid, period. And she wants to have a kid. And now you guys are in a shitty ass situation and all we can hear about is, I want a baby. I don't want to have a baby right now. I want a baby. I don't want a baby right now. I want to have a baby. I don't want to have a baby right now. And it's like, why would you not have had that conversation before you guys got married? It doesn't make any type of sense to me. Ridiculous. And that's where we are. That's where we are with them. You guys, thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate your support. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, you know, we're trying to grow this page and I put all my blood, sweat and tears into it all. And I just appreciate you guys. I love the live chat. I love the replay and the commentary, all of that. And, uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow for after the 90 days, David and Annie and Lauren and Alexi. Bye for now.